The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another round table. Today, we are talking about the Commander Legends episode that just came out. And of course, we are joined by the one and only Joe Johnson, returning to Game Nights and brand new competitor, Rachel Weeks. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, of course, if you guys haven't seen the episode yet, stop watching this one because then you'll know what happened. No. Yeah, yeah. there's no way to do these shows without uh, some amount of spoilers. Actually, a lot of spoilers. Yeah. yeah. So. It's exclusively spoilers. Yeah. It's literally yeah. all spoilers. <laughs> it's the spoiler show. It's <laughs> all spoilers. I mean, come on. Now. Yeah. So go watch the episode and then come back and uh, hear us talk about the spoilers. The The goal of these roundtable shows is to discuss the most asked questions or most commented on moments uh, that we see on Twitter, Facebook, on YouTube, uh, most of the comments are pulled from the YouTube comments. So uh, I want to say, if you ever want to get your comment, see your name in lights, Whoa. then <laughs> the best way to do that is to comment on the episode in like the first 24 hours, because that's when we gather all the stuff that we're going to talk about, because we shoot this very soon after the episode comes out. Yeah. Um, and if you comment first, we won't feature that. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that one probably won't make the cut. Uh, the following followers commented first. It's <laughs> just a long time. Somehow 800 of you yeah, were all first. All first. <laughs> uh, and one disclaimer here. We're not calling anyone stupid or dumb for asking the questions that they ask. Uh, I always say this, but the fact that there's confusion around certain things, I think, is uh, our fault as the quote-unquote filmmakers. A lot of stuff is like, oh, we probably should have explained that better. So... Oop. So we're very uh -oh. professional here at the command zone. Our phones are just going off. I was trying to turn it down, and I turned it up. <laughs> so, yeah. So don't feel bad if your comment is featured for something where we're like, actually, that's incorrect. Uh, it's good that you pointed out. Usually, actually, we won't show anything, really, unless a lot of people had the same thought. So, okay. Let's go right into it here. Some general questions to start off. Uh, a lot of people asking why we chose the commanders that we chose. So I figured it'd be nice to just go around the table here and kind of explain like why you picked the commanders that you picked. So Joe, do you want to start off? Oh, I mean, I've been following the lore between Jessica and Kamal since they came out. And I, I just thought it was a really cool flavor to like, hey, they can be partners. <laughs> why not bring them back together? So, I mean, pop them in there, brother and sister. They hate each other. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they uh, also work really but well they together. Work really well. So it's like, <laughs> hey, might as well throw it in there. It's a little flavor. And I love gruel. So, hey, why not? Was that a thing where, because we send out um, basically a list of a bunch of, we didn't, I don't think we did every single one because there's so many legendary creatures, this right, one, but right. like 50 yeah. legendary creatures. What, what, did you just gravitate towards them right away or did you, you consider oh, anything else? As soon as I saw Jessica and what she did, I was like, yes. And then I <laughs> looked down and I was like, wait, Kamal's in the set? You the uh, partner too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Were you going alphabetically? So it's literally J and then K. Exactly. Oh. I was like, wait, 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 connect to each other. <laughs> That's great. It was good times. Uh, how about you, Rachel? Oh, man. I, uh, 
I guess it was sort of, I saw, saw Rogue Rock and I was like, what can I do with this weirdo? Um, uh, I, I also play like a, a lot of aggro strategies. I, I love swinging. Like right now, my favorite thing to do in EDH is swing with a vigilant flyer because you just <laughs> never feel safer. Um, right. So this deck sort of lent itself to that. And I really thought they were a funny combo. This like zero mana uncommon and this seven mana mythic and they all have all these keywords. Um, Yeah, I I really thought they were sort of an odd couple. Was there any consideration because it ended you up in Boros that you were coming to game nights and Boros hasn't, you know, classically had, you know, in EDH a strong standing? Sure. I um. I love playing Boros. I play a lot of aggro. I love the Boros strategy. Um, so I definitely think I was like equipped to do it justice if I did it. Right. I was really worried I was just going to get blown out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there is a possibility I just lose. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I got to talk about mine. I decided to play Tevish Zot and Sakashima. One, I love clones in Magic. It's one of my favorite mechanics is to copy someone else's stuff. Someone was like, Jimmy didn't play any red this episode. It's like, well, I did. I played other people's red cards. Um, (laughs) You have three to pick from. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I also really like the idea of resetting clones. And so Tevish saw being able to sacrifice Sakashima, which is something that I don't think you would normally do because it's your commander. But that to me was really cool. You get to draw an extra card and recast Sakashima later on. Uh, I didn't go so much into the mirror gallery aspect of the uh, legends rule. doesn't apply to permanents you control uh, because you can only clone your own stuff. So I do have some legendary creatures in there that Sakashima can copy. But for the most part, it was about flickering, redoing clones, and having a nice flexible grip over the table. <laughs> I saw Tago a uh, long time ago because we helped play test the set, and I just loved the rocks. <laughs> I don't know why. I was yeah. just like, I just want to throw rocks at people. So then that's Tago's basically a landfall deck. So I was like, well, I have to have green with that to really make this work. And Kodama was just a natural fit for that. Obviously, works well. There are some combo stuff with like. Play a land, makes a rock, which allows you with Kodama's trigger to put another land into play another rock. That didn't happen in the game, obviously. <laughs> uh, by the time I got Kodama out, I couldn't do any of those shenanigans because yeah, I didn't have the cards. Like turn twenty by the time yeah. he played it, I feel like. <laughs> but I thought, well, if I could make that happen, that'll be fine too. But mostly, I just want right. to trigger, you know, and get as many rocks as possible. Um, there was a lot of people who asked uh, specifically, why did everyone play a partner deck? And this is not something that was planned. When we sent the list, there were the other commanders on there. But we don't tell people, like, hey, you have to play this. Mm-hmm. It's literally like, here's the list. What's exciting to you? I'd rather have you build something that you think is cool and exciting than assign things where people are like, oh, I don't really like this. So that's kind of the answer to why everybody played partners. Everybody just naturally wanted to play a partner. Like, did you consider any of the solo commanders? Do you remember? Um, yes. It came down to uh, a couple of the partners, and I was looking at Zara. Which is uh-huh. the the oh, right. flying from your uh, hand. pirate? Yeah, oh. yeah. Well, I really love that you can use all like the telepathy effects and the look at the top card of your deck deck cards. I think is are really fun. Our editors are happy that you didn't choose that actually because those that's <laughs> yeah. those kind of effects yeah. are really hard to do. Yeah, yep. on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we would have been like, okay, fine, we'll figure it out. But yeah, for some for everything. But thank you. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome. It is kind of funny. Everybody just gravitated towards partners. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the partners are just so cool, and there's so many possibilities that it just makes it like, well, if I choose this, I still have 30 other choices I can yes. make right now. Yeah. yeah. And also, you have to play Tago. So <laughs> <laughs> how, how could you not play Tago and Rogrog? Or I think the yeah. flavor wins of the set. Uh, though a lot of people were asking why we didn't play draft. So this is the first ever, you know, commander booster box set that is meant to be drafted. And there were a number of comments saying like, oh, I wish you would have played draft. 
Uh, Jimmy, do you want to cover why we didn't play draft? Well, it's interesting because Josh and I, if you remember, viewers of the show who are five-year viewers know that our first like three or four episodes, two of them were just literally a set review for Conspiracy because Josh and I love drafting and Conspiracy was, I'd say, the precursor to Commander Legends in terms of a multiplayer draft. We've also done draft occasionally, uh, uh, talked about it on the show as well as played on Game Nights and the... (laughs) the feedback we get is not fun because people it's it's one of those like you can't have it both ways but you want to have it both ways where people demand that we don't play draft and play commander with our own homebrew decks or people say why didn't you play draft we would love to have seen it so instead of receiving all the negative feedback i think it's just always a safer choice and in this case you know what we were more interested in especially for this set to play a regular commander game because the partners are so cool Yeah. yeah yeah it's called commander legends we're a commander channel. I mean, I don't even want to know the wailing and the gnashing of teeth that would have occurred if we would have drafted. Like, yeah, there was just no option for us to really do that. Now, could we do that in some future content? Maybe. I will say the next uh, episode of Extra Turns is the solo. We, we all played solo um, commanders. commanders, not non-partners, because we knew everything in this episode yeah. was going to be partners, and we wanted to cover some of those. Uh, so there's no current plans to do a draft for this set, but... Jimmy and I love drafts, so I could see us doing that at some point yeah. in the future. And we do multiplayer magic on game nights often, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Are you uh, both drafters? Do you, Are you looking forward to drafting this set at some point? I actually am. Uh, this is like one of the first sets where I was like, you know what? I can get down with this. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, I bought a bunch of sealed product that I'm going to sit on until it's like safer to gather with, with people to, right. to draft. Yeah. Okay, you know how to get a hold of us when you have those Absolutely. drafts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. be making her. Her, her bubble. <laughs> we will be going in there. You're responsible for my purchasing. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all going to be the beneficiary of it. <laughs> all right, let's get into some rules-based questions about the actual game on Game Nights. Uh, we may as well start with the biggest one, the one that was the most commented on, the one that everybody noticed. And yes, we completely got this wrong. Uh, it is the Morag misplay, as we're calling it. Jimmy, do you want to read Morag? Sadly, yes. <laughs> Morag, Fury of Akum, four red red for a 6-6 six, six legendary Minotaur warrior. That's all it says. Incredible. Uh, okay, it says, <laughs> first line of text, each creature you control gets plus one, plus zero oh for each time it has attacked this turn. And then the second line of text is landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there is an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. So talk about wording a card that's completely differently worded (laughs) than all other cards that are like this card, right? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So what's different about this card is the fact that it creates an additional combat phase that's after the phase you're in. Mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of that combat phase, you untap your creatures. Whereas most additional combat phase cards create an additional combat phase after the combat fa- the regular combat phase, yeah. and untap your creatures at that point. All right. Uh, so landfall, extra combat steps. Oh my. All right, I'll play Inspire Garden, which triggers Mirage. That's bad. So you have another- Two combats. Two combats. And then I'm gonna tap two to explore. Oh, oh crap! Oh no! I'll draw a card, and then I get to play an additional land, and I'll play Taiga, which triggers Mirage. So I have two additional combat phases. Oh my! Yikes! Now we know Joe's gonna have three combats, and I just hit him for eighteen damage. I don't know who's gonna die here, but it might be all of us. Okay. That is not good. Let's go to combat. So, because Joe played his Morag and then got two lands into play before he went to his first combat step, the way that this should have worked is that 
you've got two Morag triggers, right? On the first Morag trigger, it says, okay, at the beginning of this combat phase, untap your creatures. Well, they're already untapped because yeah. you haven't gone to combat. So yet. Joe attacks. And then it says, oh, your second Morag trigger, untap your creatures. And Joe attacks. And then it says, okay, now you're in your regular combat phase. Well, your regular combat phase, you do not get to untap your creatures beforehand. So shouldn't have gotten the third attack, basically. Yeah. Anybody who plays Arena, evidently, would know this because you may you probably ran into it by like screwing it up we've yeah. all had a morag misplay yeah. <laughs> i haven't played a lot of arena evidently since endicar rising came out i think i've played against this card only a couple times but the person must have just used it right or wrong and i don't really remember because we assumed obviously right. it worked in a certain way yeah this is teaching you to play lands in your second main phase <laughs> because that's it's, when you're supposed to be getting the morag lesson. triggers yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a hard lesson to learn it's a little I'm not sure why they templated this way when all the other cards that are like this aren't templated this way. Mm -hmm. Right. There must be some kind of reason. I'm, I'm not sure. Anyone I mean, have a theory? <laughs> I think it's just so if you play lands in your second main phase, you benefit from it still, is is my guess. Right. Um, oh, so it doesn't force you to, it doesn't force force you you to play, play your lands in the, in exactly. the first, first main phase. That's my guess. Um, Clearly designed, I think, by tournament players who, yeah, they, you don't want a card that forces you to play what they would consider to be incorrectly, right? Right, right. right. Yeah. 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 It's... Uh, but it, 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 they also, like, really worried, worded it around sort of the Animist and all of these, like, attack triggers that put lands into play to keep it from going infinite. So I, I think that kind of got, oh, was, like, part sense. of it. I think that's the why the main yeah. phase um, thing got added. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it, okay. they can't just do a straight landfall trigger. Ah. Okay, so let's talk about how big of a deal we think this mistake that we made was because Jimmy does die... To Basically, two exaxes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, any additional life that Jimmy has maybe changes the outcome of the game. So now I'll go to my first combat, and the only logical play is swinging to Jimmy with my Rada. Four three first strike. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll block with my solemn simulacrum, and then before damage is dealt, I'm going to sack the solemn with Yogmoth. Pay one life. <laughs> targeting your Bastion Protector. So it's gonna get a minus one, minus one counter. And then I'm going to draw two cards from Yogmoth as well as Solemn Dying. Nice. Then I will go to my second combat. Mm -hmm. I will swing at you, Jimmy, for five first strike. Oh, Morag pumps it for each time it's attacked this turn. That's cool. Okay, I won't block this. I'll go to 26. And I'll get the third combat. And Jimmy, I'll swing at you again. <laughs> For six. Poor Jimmy. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Getting uh, wailed upon. I'll take six damage and go from 26 to 20. And I believe that is all she wrote. Pass the turn. So, I don't know. What do y'all think? How, how big of a deal is this? I don't think it was that big of a deal, honestly. <laughs> Wait, I mean... Uh, sorry, I got something excited. Wait, really? I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's six damage, right? Yeah. Is, what, is what the last attack was? It depends yeah. on how you interpret how we would have, if we caught it in the moment, right. reacted to it. I, I think if we had just known how Mirag worked, he would have played it second main. Yeah. Right. Like, and it still would have been three attacks. And it still would have been all of that damage. Same. And which um, is exactly what we would have done. And I yeah. think most commander tables would do, right? It's like right. Morag, black, blank. And you're like, nah, that doesn't cool. work. And you're like, okay, hold on. I was confused about how this worked. Yeah. Would you mind right. if I did this? And almost every commander game I've ever been in, they'd be like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, because it's not like, it, it's just a mistake with a card with wording that's not like you went two turns later and then want to rewind, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the only real mistake would have been if I knew, and maybe I should have known that Joe was going to attack me three times to block the third attack because yeah. mm. the power gets boosted by one each attack step. So then I would have saved a little bit of damage there, and that mm. might have mattered. So if anything, the misplay was more 
on me. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think it's interesting to think about because I remember in the moment me thinking like, uh, if he gets one extra attack, I'm probably just going to let it happen because I wasn't in danger until really the third attack when everything was huge because I had like a 17-17, a shy and a bunch of dragon eggs. So I was like, I actually want him to attack me. And then dragos, yeah, yeah, and then I can (laughs) chaos warp something if he, you know. So I thought, like, right before the third attack, maybe I'll get rid of Kamal so you don't get to plus nine, plus nine, plus six, plus six looked okay. Actually, would have been fine for Rachel because uh, a chroma pumps every combat as well. Yeah, I would have had big. She was still indestructible Indestructible. at that point. Yeah, so So Jimmy might have just died. (laughs) uh, But but when you do the third. Uh, landfall or the th- got the second landfall that got the third attack. My brain just went, okay, that's crazy. Let's just stop it now. Gosh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So interesting. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't, I don't think side is 2020 in this. Yeah, case. right, yeah. right. I think realistically, it doesn't change the game much because if we did know how it worked, we would have just had Joe, you know, redo the play it quote unquote correctly. Yeah, yeah. or just right. attack and then play explore land land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But if the question is, is six does six life make a difference? Yeah, it yeah, absolutely would have yeah. absolutely right, made right, a difference. Right. Small note, yeah, Chroma, though. Some people are like, oh, Chroma triggers every combat. And it's like, you're right. But if we showed that every single time, you would hear so many bloop, bloop, bloops, you might go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was, there's no reason to show the Chroma trigger unless it's going to be relevant, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise... Jake and Murph were going to come in here with stabbing devices at me. <laughs> it's like, why do we have to show that every time if it doesn't matter? Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that don't affect the game, I think this next one was an error on our part, but absolutely doesn't really affect anything. Uh, so it was Dockside Extortionist. When I played it, I only asked how many artifacts people had, and it counts artifacts and enchantments. Ah. I think in my brain, I was like, I just calming verse. Nobody's got any enchantments. And then totally forgot that Jimmy did have an indestructible enchantment that lived through calming verse. Yes. Thassa was chilling out there. Big so, time. And then I'm going to tap two using my rock and make a dockside extortionist. <laughs> Pay up. So how many, yeah, how many artifacts does everybody have? Two over here. Five over here. Zero for me. Okay. So that's seven treasure I'm going to make. Uh-oh. So I should have got eight treasures instead of seven. Maybe that was one more damage somewhere in there. Maybe. You had so many artifacts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember ever being like, boy, I wish I had just one One more more. artifact because I could do this. So I don't think it probably mattered at all. But technically, I should have had eight and not seven. Yeah, the only time your artifact count really, really mattered was the turn that you killed me, I think, because you had to have Exaxes then for the Aether Grid. And it didn't really matter at that point because all the treasure had gotten bounced already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, All right, well, let's talk about so, so those are the the errors we actually made. That those we were totally wrong about those two things. Um, the next ones are things that I think a lot of people thought we got wrong, but we probably just didn't explain correctly, or the card is confusing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the next one is the Mirage Mirror misunderstanding. Um, we have a clip for this one. Let's go ahead and play it. All right, and then I'm going to cast Calming Verse. Oh gosh, destroy all enchantments? Correct. <laughs> oh no. It, it happens? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. I can't do anything. Nice. Jeez. Oh, so mana reflection, defense of the heart, and legion's initiative down. I feel very calm now. Wow. Okay. So I guess I should read Mirage Mirror. Uh, it's a three mana artifact, and you can pay two. Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. Yeah, so when I play Calming Verse, <laughs> a lot of people were like, hey, wait. Jimmy copied Mana Reflection. That's an enchantment. Why doesn't Calming Verse kill the Mirage Mirror? 
Well, Mirage Mirror is a Mirage Mirror at that point, and it's an artifact because it's until end of turn. So if I wanted to, I could have paid two mana if I had it to make it a copy of uh, the <laughs> the Man Reflection when Josh casts Calming Verse, but that would be dumb. So <laughs> we see, we saw you game. use it that ability to dodge removal mm -hmm. later. Yeah. You turned it into a land. A land, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This card is awesome. It's it so was good. so powerful in that game. <laughs> B blown away. <laughs> Every time you activate, it, I was like, oh yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have played my Zendikar Resurgent. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, this is the card that also stole that victory from you uh, in the Uro game as well. Uh, so it's, it's, it. a, it's a solid card. No misunderstanding the there. the pain of my existence, that Raj card. Mirror rocks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the next thing, which was some sort of uh, some math uh, confusion here. A math it's, stake? Yeah, it's Jessica and Rada. So Jess, do you want to read Jessica's middle ability there? Uh, or her her plus ability? Her, her zero, zero. Her zero. Yeah. yeah. It says, choose target creature until your next turn. If that creature would deal combat damage to one of your opponents, it deals triple that damage to that player instead. So there's a turn here where uh, you point that ability at your Rada. Right. Rada gets pumped by Kamal, so it's a 6-6 six, six with trample and going to deal triple damage. In fact, we have a clip. Let's play the clip. All right. So, only the damage to me is tripled, right? That's correct. Of course, Joe attacks me with the biggest creature he's got that deals triple damage. I have to put something in front of that, otherwise I'm taking 18 here. I will put my Keeper of the Cord in front of Brada. My Keeper of the Accord will die to first strike damage. Then, I will take six damage because it is tripled. Going to 33. Ah, but Josh, the wording you said, triple damage, is not actually entirely accurate. And I think this is where a big misunderstanding came from. Rada only cares about the damage that is actually dealt to the opponent. So if you stop any of it or mitigate any of it, you're only taking the damage dealt before you triple it. So people are like, why did Rachel only take six? It's because you blocked. Mm-hmm. Good block. That is why I blocked. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people are thinking you should take 14 there. Right. So I took... Um, He's one with the 6-6 six, six trample. I blocked four of it. So two of the damage tramples over, and that's the damage that gets tripled. So it's that's where the six comes from there. Yeah, so Rada doesn't deal triple damage to the Keeper of the Accord. Yeah. Because it doesn't deal triple damage to creatures. Mm -hmm. Just So bonus. it's not like 18 and only four of it got blocked. Right? Yeah. It's so six, and then four of it got blocked. Then two gets tripled. Yeah. Yeah. It was the difference between taking, yeah, six damage and 18 damage was blocking with that creature. Worth it, even though Keeper of the Court yeah. was an all-star. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, but how many lands had you gotten off of that at that point? I had three in a soldier token. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's amazing. That's nuts. Yeah. You know, I don't even care about the soldier token. I know. Well, the soldier <laughs> token was actively a problem. Yeah, oh, yeah, because the defense <laughs> of the heart. showed up from the defense of the heart. We're like, get out of here. What are you doing? I'm here. It's like, yes, yes. It's like, I thought you liked value, though. <laughs> you can never get anything right. I mean, for a Boros deck, that card single-handedly made it so that I don't think it ever felt like you had you were low on lands compared to the rest of the table. No, I, I specifically because... I mean, you two are gruel decks, particularly landfall decks. Yep. So you had ramped really hard. And Jimmy then played Solemn Summer Jimmy like 27 like times. Jimmy played Solemn so much. I think if I hadn't had Keeper, I think I would have just been way behind. Yeah. I wouldn't have had the mana to do the Austere Command and cast my commander as right. many times as I did. Well, and activate Slayer Stronghold um, and so much. activate Slayer Stronghold, which takes three mana every turn. Um, three mana. That's it. 
Slayer Stronghold existed made it, and worked yeah, because he made of the it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of like complaints about Keeper of the Court. Like people want a lot more like um, white cards that don't depend on your opponents being ahead uh-huh. because it's not good when you're behind or when, when you you're when ahead, you're ahead. Right. Excuse me, but you're playing white. You're always yeah. behind. You're behind. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely. Behind. I play a lot of white. <laughs> I, I think Keeper of the Court is like a very very I, good I card. Think very it's, I think it's very powerful and put in a lot of work in that game. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the next. Uh, Complaints that people had. Everybody's a comedian. This is a misplay, I think. This is a misplay. (laughs) Definitely a flavor fail. So I had a lot of rocks on the battlefield, and then I played Inspiring Statuary. Uh, We have a clip. Let's play the clip. And then I'm going to play Inspiring Statuary. Oh, no. Oh, so now you can tap your rocks for mana. Aha. Those rocks, they look a lot better when they're tapping for mana, which is basically what this card allows me to do. And just like that, I feel like I'm virtually caught up with Jimmy and Joe and how much mana they have access to every single turn. So you'll notice during that clip, there was something that was not said. It's two words. Mana rocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was about a million comments about it. Like, I can't believe that... Josh, you didn't say they were mana rocks. Yeah. It was either that or a reference to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So <laughs> you missed both. But I think mana rocks is definitely the one that was like, it just stares you in the face. I can't believe all of us missed it. Not just you. All of us could have been like, ah, they're mana rocks. But no one said it. I think we probably did say it and they just cut it out. I was going to yeah. say, I feel like we riffed a lot on rocks. Right. Uh, and we were just like, oh, we said mana rock two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rachel, you're a stand-up. You, you, yeah. you shouldn't reuse material, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's my bad, by the way. I take it. I take full responsibility. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Can't believe I <laughs> didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, okay, there's a little bit of a confusion at another point in the game, um, and I think it has to do with how the passing of phases works. So this is when I chaos warp Joe's Kamal before he goes to combat. So you're going to see in the clip here that Joe starts to go to combat and I say, wait before combat and then do the thing. So let's play the clip. Let's go to combat. Okay, before combat. Oh, oh. I'm going to chaos warp. (gasps) Oh! (laughs) Oh, no. Targeting Kamal. All right, Kamal will die. I'll send him back to my command zone. Not bad. Okay. And then I'm just going to pay six and play an Ancient Green Warden. That's pretty good. Wow. And so, Josh, you notably are doing this to Kamal because Kamal has a, at the beginning of combat on your turn, trigger. Uh, so that means that you need to do this before he even enters the combat phase. And combat phase is, I think, one of the most misunderstood phases in Magic because there are six additional, like, there's like a 20 additional phases. <laughs> Reconnaissance, people always get that mixed yeah, up as well. Yeah. So let's talk about passing of phases and how it works. Well, hold, yeah, I want to explain what the confusion oh, yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is I do that, and then Joe's like, oh, crap my original plans out the window with Kamal gone. So hang on, I'm going to do some stuff. Ends up playing ancient green warden and then going to combat. And, uh, we already talked about the part where he gets too many combat steps. Um, (laughs) but yeah, the confusion from a lot of people was like, wait, if you're in combat, why can Joe cast ancient green warden if it doesn't have flash or something? Right. And so I think the confusion is around how the passing of phases work. Rachel, do you want to, uh, give a little tutorial (laughs) here on how, yeah, on why Joe's able to sort of stay in his main phase there. Sure. I mean, when you say you're going to combat, you're asking permission to go to combat, 
right? You don't just so, get to hit a button and you're in combat. And you're, you're in saying, combat. Hey, yeah. everybody, is it okay? Like, okay, we're now all together moving to combat. And Josh said, stop, wait, we're going to do something before we all go to combat. And then we're still in that in the main phase there. So uh, priority goes back to Joe to decide if he wants to re-ask the table for permission to go to combat. Yeah. And Joe said, no, hold no, on. No, we're going to play something else. <laughs> Let me stay in my main phase. A yeah. similar situation that happens a lot is uh, triggers that are like at the beginning of your end step. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you have a trigger in that and you want to do something before that. You actually have to do it in your second main phase before you go to the end step. Uh, and then when you do that, you're giving everyone, again, one last chance to pass priority around the table, and they can do things again during your uh, main phase. So that's similar to what happened here. A lot of times people will go like, okay, go to combat swing with this. And then you go, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm going to cast something to tap down your attacker. Right. It's because yeah. there are other phases uh, before combat really starts. And when you're still in that first main phase, you just, again, you pass priority before you go to the next thing. Yeah, when you say go to combat it's not like you leaned forward towards combat and now you're tumbling towards it with no ability <laughs> to stop and somebody just happens to slide something in there real quick no you're saying can we go to combat and it's a we right yeah. and the other players have to agree to it and they agree to it by saying i have nothing else i want to do right. but if they say i there is something i want to do then you go oh okay well since you did that let me decide if i still want to go to combat or if i want to make an action before we actually go because now i've got priority again so yeah easy to Easy to misunderstand how that works, but it works for all the phases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go on to another thing that has to do with Ancient Green Warden here. So we don't have a clip for this one because... Uh, it's about the wording. Yeah, it's about the wording. But there was a lot of people who noticed that Joe had Ancient Green Warden on the battlefield and he played Horn of Greed at the same time. And Jimmy has both cards in front of him. Do you want to read the important parts of the text for Ancient Green Warden here? Yeah. So Ancient Green Warden is a big creature that says you may play lands from your graveyard. And if a land entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. And then Horn of Greed says whenever a player plays a land, that player draws a card. So you might look at this and go like, holy moly, Ancient Green Warden doubles up the Horn of Greed. But Horn of Greed specifically said whenever a player plays a land, not whenever a land enters the battlefield under a player's control. So that wouldn't trigger Ancient Green Warden. Horn of Greed is only when you play a land in some fashion from your hand or through some other effects. Like a, yeah, like Horn of Greed is sneaky because there's a lot of like putting lands onto the battlefield that doesn't trigger Horn of right. Greed. Like the, the land off of a yeah. fetch doesn't trigger Horn of Greed. Um, it, it's tricky wording there for sure. Yeah, it's it's really specifically worded to get around like getting extra lands off, or extra card draw off of like fetch lands mm-hmm, yeah. and mm-hmm. rampant growths and things. Uh, but it yeah, it just doesn't care about enter the battlefield. Like it just doesn't say that. And ancient Gordon, green warden doesn't care about plays triggers. In fact, I checked this, uh, double checked it with Sheldon Menory, who is the highest level judge. Actually, not still a judge, but he was a level five at one point. that I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he described the Horn of Greed similar to what a cast trigger is versus an enter the battlefield trigger is. Yeah. But for lands. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if you did do that uh, incorrectly, you might say you were playing an ancient Greed Warden. the graphic at the bottom just became ancient greed warden (laughs) who says we miss puns who says jimmy doesn't tell dad jokes okay and with that we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our mid-roll sponsors but we'll be right back angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, 
Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we're back. It's the Game Nights Roundtable discussing the Commander Legends episode. We've got Rachel and Joe with us. Mm-hmm. We've got some more uh, sort of confusing parts of the game that people had questions about. This was a big one. And it's one of those things where I think it makes you realize like, oh, yeah, I've been playing Magic for a long time. And there's things I take for granted that are just not obvious to people. Right. Yeah. Uh, and understandably, show. so I think we probably should have explained this in some way on the show. But all of us didn't even think about it until we started seeing the comments. And we're like, it totally makes sense that it's confusing. So yeah. uh, I use Gear Per Ether Grid at one point in the game I tap a bajillion artifacts to kill Jimmy's Tevish Zot. And you clearly just shouldn't have. That's what the comments were saying. You should have done it. Yeah. Uh, let's play the clip here. And then using the ether grid, I'm going to tap six, seven, eight using rocks and treasures and deal four damage directly to Tevish Zot. Come on. Right. So if we look at gear per ether grid here, Rachel, do you want to read it for everyone out there? It says tap two untapped artifacts you control. Giraper Aether Grid deals one damage to target creature or player. Ah. Well, that's the problem there at the end. It says target creature or player. What gives? Why can I target a planeswalker with it? Joe, you want to take this one? Well, yeah. The errata uh, from, I guess, back in the day cards that have been tar- have said target creature or player have been errata to any target. So, like a lightning bolt back in the days used to say three damage to a creature or player. Now it's any target. Right. And that's because when Planeswalkers first were invented, it didn't jive particularly well with the fact that a Planeswalker card exists. So instead, the rule was if you're ever doing direct damage to a player, you may then redirect that damage to a Planeswalker instead, which sort of added this interim weird step in the middle where you're like, I'm going to hit you, but actually I'm going to redirect that damage to your Planeswalker. Hmm. Uh, And so they just clarified it and cleared it up. And I think this is actually a better thing for Magic in general. Instead, it just says any target. So much nicer. But confusing when you look at old cards. I think it's anything from Dominaria or before. Right. Yeah, because Planeswalker as a card type didn't exist for like the first 10 years of Magic. And so old cards like Lightning Bolt, Fireball didn't say Planeswalker on them, didn't know Planeswalkers would ever be a thing that existed. And so Mm -hmm. in a way to make those interact how they wanted to with Planeswalkers as an additional way to be able to get at them, Mm -hmm. they had to create the redirect rule. And then somewhere around Dominaria, they're like, that's stupid because it's really confusing. So yeah. let's just errata those old cards and new cards will now say any target. Yeah, because originally Planeswalkers were meant to sort of be another player at the table, right. sort of. Like that was the idea, I think. And so you That's why like, you can attack them? Yeah. You're, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. But now they're just a thing. They're just a, yeah. yeah. A well, when you're a player, you're like, I'm a Planeswalker. Like right. that's right. so, so if it should hit a player, it's hitting a Planeswalker already is, mm-hmm. I think, the idea. Yeah. So it should say just 
target creature or planeswalker, and we should know that players are planeswalkers. Players are planeswalkers. Yeah, right, right. Duh. Now it just says any target. Maybe next time we'll have to errat it on screen. So yeah, so technically, to be clear, I did not cheat there, but it doesn't make sense with what we're reading. I don't know how how we're exactly supposed to address that in the show because I don't think it would be right for us to just change the text on the yeah. card at, to say something it doesn't say but at the same time we probably just should have addressed it in the interview portion where like just have me come on or somebody come on and be like I, like, I know it says creature or player but in the new rules it's allowed to hit planeswalkers as well and then yeah and we reference like oracle text or gatherer is something that we'll link to you on twitter whatever someone asks about this but you can always look online and the written text on gatherer and a lot of like apps and stuff will have the new revised text whereas the card I mean if you look at like really old cards like Sylvan Library is completely different than yeah. what it says now. <laughs> so it's important that we all, I mean, when we do like set reviews, Josh and I always try to read the Gatherer or the Oracle version of it just so there's no confusion. Jimmy tries to do that. I always forget and just read the card. <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning, but not at the end of this and that. Uh, flip seven coins. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> Okay, uh, next up, oh, Josh, we have a rock cry question. Yes. So a lot of people were wondering, actually, let's let's play the clip uh, first because there are a couple of rocks that get thrown in this episode and I love the animation, I love everything about it, I hate everything about it, well. <laughs> let's, let's see where the confusion stems from. I'm going to tap one, two, three, four, five, and one of the treasures uh, using gear per ether grid to do three damage to you, Jimmy. Okay, I'll go to 15. And then I'm going to tap four, sacrifice two treasures for two more mana, so six total. And I'm gonna throw all the rocks at you. How much is that? 12 damage. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> okay, then I go to three. <laughs> I just realized you're the only recipient of rocks in this yeah. entire game. Like, none go at any... Because yeah. <laughs> I rock. <laughs> I deserved it, clearly. Um, people were wondering, though, can you still throw the rocks when they're tapped, Josh? I thought that was kind of like, I thought they had to tap to throw the rock. Right, so that was a, a bit of confusion here. Um, the rocks give the creature there that is equipped with the rock the ability to tap and sacrifice the rock to deal the two damage. So the rock itself doesn't care if it's tapped or not, which is why I could tap it for Inspiring Statuary for mana, and it doesn't change anything the rock's doing. Because, again, you can do this with, like, any equipment, really, most right. of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of an equipment that cares if it's tapped or not. Right. Urza's really gross with equipment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. all your equipment are mana. Like Specifically with just equipment. Blue mana, yeah. yeah. Flavor-wise, not- too, a rock is just still a rock, even if it's on, like, another side, right? You can just throw it from any angle. Yeah, so yeah, even yeah, if it does get tapped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, it feels like it's the action of throwing it, right? The rock doesn't throw itself, the creature does. Right. That was right. deeper than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, the rock does not throw itself. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story is if you can get value from tapping your equipment and you have enough oh, equipment in the deck, yeah. you can do it. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. It. Okay, this one was surprising to me. A lot of people had mm-hmm. a bunch of confusion surrounding uh, Zendikar Resurgent and a moment in the game where you, well, where Solemn Simulacrum comes back for like the 50th time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's play the clip. Let's play the clip. At the end step, I will flicker Scholar of the Lost Trove. That will come back to the battlefield. And I'm going to cast the Solemn Simulacrum from my graveyard. And then I will find a basic land, put it on the battlefield tapped. Uh, and I'm going to draw two more cards because of the Zenicar Resurgent. And then I will pass the turn to you. 
I feel like that solemn was just how many lands did you get off that thing? Like twelve? Five, I feel like at least five or six to be realistic. Yeah. And then I yeah, drew a bunch of cards bad. Too. People think you shouldn't play that card anymore. <laughs> Stupid people. I don't know who they are. Well, here's the thing. It, it's bad if I only played it. It's not great. Sorry, it's not great if I only played it once. It's okay because it's in the blue black deck and there's right. not as much you know like land based ramp. Uh, but when you can blank it a thousand times, it gets even better. Oh, Clone it. Yeah. Do whatever you want with it. So a lot of people are like Jimmy has cheated. As he always does, he blinked the Solemn, <laughs> and it was a cast trigger, so he should not be able to draw all those cards. However, I did not blink the Solemn. If you look at the order of the cards that pop up on the screen, I blinked the Scholar of the Trove, which is a new card that allows you to cast an artifact from your graveyard. So I'm happy to be in the graveyard, so I blinked that, giving me another trigger to cast from the graveyard, and thus I was able to get full value off of it. Yeah, Xandercar Resurgent is a cast trigger. Everybody out there is correct. He did cast the Solemn, though, because that's what Scholar of the Lost Trove allows you to do. Good card, yeah. especially when it you blink good. it. I was watching you blink it and was like, what card? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Jump what? Start what? Uh, all right. The next thing is Kodama's ability. So I said at the beginning of the show that Kodama was just in my deck mostly to add green to the deck. Uh, but <laughs> Kodama is very powerful. Yeah. If yes. I built the deck around <laughs> Kodama, it would be a different deck. Yeah. Uh, Kodama's ability is whenever another permanent enters the battlefield under your control, if it wasn't put onto the battlefield with this ability, you may put a permanent card with equal or less lesser converted mana cost from your hand onto the battlefield. So anytime a permanent enters the battlefield on under my control and Kodama's out... I can put something from my hand that's the same CMC or less onto the battlefield. Mm -hmm. This works with lands and rocks mm -hmm. in theory really well. Right. You play a land with Tago out, you get a rock. The rock is, hey, cool, you play this uh, permanent command on the battlefield, and then you can play another land from your hand or a zero CMC card. Which was the plan. I, there's a throwaway line in the episode, but it's pretty quick, where I say, uh, or Kodama would trigger, and, but I don't have any permanents in my hand, so it doesn't matter. Um, and that's just the answer to the question of, did I forget about Kodama's ability? The answer is no. It's the fact that like, by the time <laughs> I got Kodama out, I literally had like roiling regrowth and like another instant or something in my hand and no lands and no way to take advantage of that trigger. And you can see after the cyclonic rift, when I do try to rebuild my board before dying to the angels, I do get a couple Kodama triggers in there uh, yeah. because I finally have some permanence in my hand. So yeah, yeah. well, I knew about it. I wanted to use it, just didn't happen. You were just too enraptured by how beautiful the angels were when you were dying yeah, to them, right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh crap! <laughs> what do we got? They're just coming. put stuff out. Does any of you block flyers? No? Okay. We were like, oh, it's so heavenly. I'm dead. That was Joe. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So pretty. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I guess yeah. it's a pretty good way to go. Right. That angelic field marshal was murderous. What did it do? Yeah. Like 40 damage in the game? It was insane. It was yeah. like above 10 damage most of the game. Yeah, and you wanted to pump that because Akroma doesn't pump herself. Akroma doesn't pump yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it turns out flying, always good. Mm. The last two game nights. Flyers? Flyers are just like crushed. Yeah, I got to put in more flying Forget blocks. Forget value. Yeah, yeah, I got way more flyers amount. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the last kind of confusing rules thing that people were wondering about. Um, and this one is kind of unique to multiplayer magic. So there were a number of comments asking why when Jimmy finally was taken out of the game, if you remember, he uh, cast a thrilling encore and got a ton of stuff back. Uh, and most of that stuff was mine. 
I don't think it was any of it. No. Yours. Yeah, because you'd also. I, I got cyclonic rift. Yeah. yeah. So all my stuff was in my hand. Yeah. It was all yours. So it was like that nesting dragon. Oh, and dragon. I had Shia, so a bunch I of my stuff yeah. lived. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a nesting dragon and a few other things and a billion triggers. And uh, people have asked this before. When I leave the game, it's like, well, those are permanents controlled and owned by Josh. Actually, no, they're just owned by Josh. They're not they're controlled not by him. So. Um, there is a rule. Should well, we show? The, the question is, why oh, right, right, don't, right. doesn't jo- don't I get my creatures back when Jimmy dies? And I think any time in a multiplayer game when a player is controlling other people's stuff, it can get a little confusing if they get KO'd. What happens with the stuff that's actually owned by the other players? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, let's read the rule. Okay, it's rule 800.4a, in case you're wondering. Magic is a complicated game. <laughs> when a player leaves the game, all objects, see rule 109, owned by that player leave the game, and any effects which give that player control of any objects or players end. So, so you that might happens be first. Yeah. So if Jimmy has a control magic effect that's controlling one of Joe's permanents, and Jimmy gets taken out, the first thing that would happen is Joe would get that creature back because the control of magic effect would go away. In mm-hmm. this case, there's no persistent effect that's giving Jimmy control of stuff. Thrilling Encore doesn't have like something that says, if Thrilling Encore leaves the battlefield, give the stuff back. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Then, if that player controlled any objects on the stack not represented by cards, those objects cease to exist. <laughs> so that's referring to things on the stack, because cards are already gone. So if a card was on the stack, it's gone. Mm-hmm. But now it's like a, a, an ability or something. Let's say he had like a, I don't know, a Tim or something, right? Uh-huh. And he Timmed, and then in response, somebody killed you. Your Tim trigger won't still happen. You die. Everything of yours is off the stack. Okay. And then if there are any objects still controlled by that player, those objects are exiled. This is not a state-based action. It happens as soon as the player leaves the game. Ha. So that's the the real kicker there. I owned objects uh, that were... uh, I was in control of objects that were owned by Josh. However, I wasn't using the control magic or like a sower of temptation. So when I left the game, those get exiled immediately and they're gone. Bye-bye. Works with all kinds of stuff, necromantic selections and things like that. Where mm-hmm. yeah, you've you've got control, uh, sepulchral primordial things like that, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. yeah, you don't just give those back because it would be a huge swing sometimes. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you did. Yeah, right. Yeah, you had nesting dragons. Nesting dragon. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it wouldn't be fair because it would cause cards to just behave in a really weird way. Yeah, right, and my right. effect now benefits you in an extremely powerful way exactly. too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay. we could clear that up. Whew. All right, let's move. That's all the rule-based stuff. Um, thanks, everybody, for the comments and questions about that. Sorry, there was some confusing stuff in there we didn't explain very well. Let's talk about some in-game decision-making moments here. I think one of the things that got talked about a lot in the comments in different ways was how we reacted to Joe's Root Weaver Druid play. Mm-hmm. Joe, do you want to... Yeah, this, so this is the, the new card that... The, it's a tempt card. Do you want to read it, Joe? Yeah, sure. Uh, when, when Root Weaver Druid enters the battlefield, each opponent may search a library for up to three basic land cards. They each put one of those cards onto the battlefield tapped under your control and the rest onto the battlefield tapped under their control. Then each player who searched this way will shuffle their library. Now we'll play a Root Weaver Druid. Cool. I feel like we need to consult here. Mm-hmm. We'd all get two and he'd get one. So that's like six lands against three. So that's we not get, that bad. Oh, okay. So he'll get three. We all get we two. We all get two okay. into play. And we can all agree, I think. We can use our extra mana to keep him in check if he starts going crazy. Yeah. So we're all going to take all three? It's a maze. I'm so feeling we... tempted. Yeah. <laughs> I am tempted. I will go find three basics. I found three islands. Joe, you're going to get one of them and I'll get two. I found two planes and a mountain. Joe, you're going to get a plains. And I found two forests and a mountain. 
And Joe, you can have one of the forests, and I'll get the other two. This game just got supercharged. Supercharged. Go. That's right. a cool little card. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh, so technically, we're getting more mana than Joe. But Joe also gets a bunch of lands off of a three mana root weaver druid onto the battlefield under his control. It's three mana? Yeah. It's three. Yeah. yeah. It's a tricky decision because if nobody takes it, it's a terrible card. That that just is a three mana two one. A three mana two one. <laughs> yeah. And I, like it doesn't it doesn't feel very good. Um, but also, Joe is so far ahead on lands at this point anyway that I mm-hmm. think we were just kind of scrambling to catch up. Yeah, also, if only one player takes it, let's Oof, say I'm the only one that does, I get two lands, Joe gets one, that's not great either for you two. Mm. So we're in this weird position where we all like look at each other and go, like, should we all take it at the same time? Because that's the best way for us all to get value. Should none of us take it? And then Joe just has to sadly play a 2-1 for three mana. <sighs> I mean, it's interesting because, let's say Joe wasn't so far ahead in the game. Mm-hmm. Do we react differently? Hmm. if he had a bunch of landfall triggers i think was the only thing that i was basing my thing around if he had like a ton of like scoot swarms or anything else that cared about landfall and he played this i'd be like whoa then we're definitely not doing it right yeah if you have have mirag nobody's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) but what if you know we all just generally have like five mana available to us and it's about the same do you think we still do it I think it depends on if you benefit from the game accelerating that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like as a Boros player, I, I do pretty well when the game when we're going quickly. But the problem is giving a lot of value to other players can can put me behind. So True. I think because it's even, I I was fine with it, and I'm okay with like you know the game moving faster. I mean, obviously, Joe, when you play the card, you're hoping everybody does it, right? Right, of course. Yeah. I, I want to get that extra ramp in because I can yeah. play more spells. And your deck's built around just, like, taking advantage of having a lot of lands, which we learned later when yep. he plays Mana Reflection. Mana Reflection, like, yes. Oh, yeah. oh, with Mana I've Reflection. That. <laughs> well, that's why. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> it felt bad after that. I think, like, the correct decision is nobody takes it. Yeah. If you're, yeah. like, the, the correct one. But it's also fun to have more lands. <laughs> I will say it probably turned the dial up on the game in a fun way that ended up being one of the reasons, like low key, one of the reasons that this was a really exciting game where everybody had a chance at one point to really explode and be on the precipice of winning. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably a a lot because of the Root Weaver Druid, uh, just giving everybody the chance to be in it. Like nobody felt... It, this was a, one of the games where, like, not a single player felt like they didn't have the resources to be able to take the game. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Most normal games of Commander, there's at least one player who's just like, right. eh, yeah. they just have six mana when everybody's got 12. You know, right. it's, they are not a real threat to just explode <laughs> and kill and take the game, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ruby Weaver Druid, if only one player takes it, it's bad. If two players take it, then you are in a better position because at least you're getting two lands for three mana, yeah. which is like on its face, nah, not so bad. But, but one the, land for three is bad. But then the player who didn't take it, take it feels bad. Real bad, yeah. <laughs> I think too, like when this card comes out, you should definitely talk to everybody at the table because mm-hmm. it would be very easy if no one spoke for me to really screw everybody else over by taking the lands when you two didn't uh-huh. mm-hmm. you yeah. know so you really want to make sure because of the way that you're going to have to choose it right because you, right. you have to choose it in player order probably yeah I'm assuming Usually it goes around the table cards. so yeah just make sure you you talk with your uh <laughs> with your fellow pod mates <laughs> yeah I, I say this card is great i think in especially like slightly less powered groups too yeah, yeah. For just sure. because yeah. it's you know yeah. we'll lead to fun games yeah and if you're a boros player you're almost always oh, gonna yeah. say yes. i was happy to say it <laughs> yeah 
All right, let's talk about the moment, the big moment. Mm. One rock to rule oh. them all. Uh, so Jimmy goes to Ultimate Tevish Zot and well, and probably the worst turn of my life. So let's take a look. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna tap Cabal Coffers for four black mana, and I'm gonna tap. I'm just gonna float all the mana now. So I'll tap the rest of my swamp. So that's gonna be ten total black mana. I'm going to use Yogmoth five times. Discard five cards to proliferate five times onto Tevish Zot, Doom of Fools. Oh no, that's bad. So Tevish Zot is gonna go to ten loyalty. Yep. Uh, in response. The rock at rock him! At no, Josh, my plans! <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I was gonna steal everything! <laughs> the monster! The rock! rock. No. A rock! It all came apart because of one rock. I just like how Tevisad is like, Phenomenal cosmic power! I am unstoppable! And then Tago just comes along and he's like, Rock! <laughs> Ow! That really hurt. I guess I won't take over the world now. <sighs> that was uh, five cards discarded. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I also was like also going way man. ahead of oh, myself man. by being like, I'm going to copy Morag. I'm going to do some other. <laughs> I'm going to play a Wayfarer's Bobble. I'm going to get all these extra triggers. I'm going to waste my mana before doing the riskiest part of my turn. Yeah. I'm not even going to look around the table. <laughs> I, you were so excited. I, I, I was. I was so excited. Uh, well, I remember... It's it's not in the episode because it took a while, but Jimmy is just like goes to his turn and he just goes in the tank. He's like, okay, and he's like counting one, two, three. He's like, uh, oh, I'm just gonna do it. You know, yeah. he just has one of those. We're just like, do what? And he goes, copy more. I and we're like, oh, what? Yeah. yeah, that's like step one. I remember Rachel and I looked at each other like. That doesn't seem very good for you. <laughs> but he's like so confident yeah. and so excited that we were like, uh-oh, it's going to be bad, whatever it is. Right, right? yeah. <laughs> I should have done it in opposite order. I may have had enough mana to not have to copy more. I may have had two more swamps or something to, to re-proliferate to right, get back right. up there uh, or something to get to the 10. But I think in general, I should have just not done it. <laughs> no, you had to go for it. I should have just looked at your table and been like, there's a rock there. Or been like, hey, Josh, if you don't throw a rock at me, can I do this? Or something, right? Like, And, and then he would have been like, no, no. no. I'm definitely throwing a rock. <laughs> I let you do, but take all the commanders. Right. Yeah, you know. Specifically take all of these commanders. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Kamal, Jessica, Akroma alone. Alone, no yeah. Plus Kodama. Yeah. Uh, not no. to mention, too, when Tevishot minus 10s, he goes to the command zone, and then he'll bring himself back out. So wow. you can Ew. reuse him that yeah. turn. So that's nice. Oh, yeah, because the trigger's on the stack, yep. and he's, oh, my he's gosh. He's gone, yeah. Because he's paid for and it. And you use him again? Ooh. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I can sacrifice a commander, right? It's going to be even worse than I thought. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, another thing I didn't realize is that I don't have a haste enabler, so I don't know why I was going so crazy with all that stuff, too. I could have attacked with the Morag, uh, Mirage Mirror, and then right. I think one other creature, but that I still would have been a lot of damage. I think that was enough, because Especially with, with Kamal. Kamal, yeah. So yeah. with Kamal, even Well, Yogma. with Kamal, and with, Je with uh, Chroma. Chroma. And Jessica. Chroma would have yeah. buffed, and yeah, so you could have killed one person for sure. Definitely yeah. the person that threw a rock at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's all happening, I haven't thrown the rock, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. Right. true. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bummer. Let's be honest. I would definitely have been dying in that case no matter what else. Was yeah. Going on. <laughs> I, think, I think we did the calculations and you could have taken out two players for sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Again, Jessica, Kamal, Morag, extra combat. Yeah. yeah. Everything I mean, obviously, if we played Morag correctly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if we played Morag correctly. Because yeah. this was another instance where it didn't end up mattering because you couldn't attack where we played the lands before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Cool. Good job. You know what? I'm glad you didn't, though, because it ended up being like the one of the funnier moments yeah, yeah. in Game Night's history. Like, well, I just like it. The entire kingdom was toppled by a one pebble. One rock. Yeah, one rock. Like, <laughs> like this Got ultimate combination of Yogmoth and Tevish Zot, like yeah. the two baddies. Yeah. And the guy who invented rocks. <laughs> He's like, I got this. <laughs> What's the problem? Yeah. I'm trying to think. There's always, there's always some movie where like it's just like it looks so dire and then all of a sudden like one person comes back and saves the day with this thing that you're like, oh, man, they, it's like a Chekhov's gun. Which, yeah. It's Chekhov's rock. <laughs> was that, that was he what was it was. It's definitely like a Samwise Gamgee type yes. of character. Yeah. There we go. There he you picked go. up and carried the hero here. All right. Uh, the next thing that a lot of people were talking about and had questions about Rachel, um, and I'm calling this the uneasy alliance. At the end of the game, I think it's pretty clear that Jimmy and I's boards are pretty big and you're behind. Yeah. Um, pretty impressive that from that position, you're able to like navigate yourself to a win. Yeah. You kind of had a choice there to, to ally with Jimmy or, or me, and you ended up choosing to ally with me. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you make that decision over allying with Jimmy against, against me? Uh, I thought I could beat you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You really want to scare the frog. Uh, <laughs> well, I, uh, my whole plan at this point is flyers. Like right. that's like this is this is my entire plan. Um, Later outs. So. And Gruel is sort of famous for not being able to handle it, and Demir is not. Right. Um, like you were the only person who had like pointed removal my way. Jimmy Jimmy was the only person who had r- touched my board basically. And I rifted as well. And yeah. and you had just rifted, um, and you were at like two life. So when you're playing an aggro deck, you always benefit from there being fewer players. Mm-hmm. Just period. Um, so when I'm playing, when when I'm playing Boros, I specifically just want to take out whoever's behind, which it doesn't always feel good, but also like m- narrows the chances that you get cyclonic rifted. <laughs> yeah, I guess the other option is like, had Josh and I been like, hold up, let's team up together. I'm at two life, right? You have, it's one of those situations where it's like, I can throw a rock at you at any time to end you. So do you want to work with me? Right. So that could have happened too. And that would have been bad. <laughs> that was, <laughs> no. it was sort of at this point where I, I think Josh and I were like, okay, if Jimmy untaps, we lose. It just was, felt way was too risky. The feeling, Tons like, of cards in his hand. He, like, yeah. who the heck knows? Stuff, I just, yeah. even him being at one, I yeah. wouldn't have felt good about like, some amount of trickiness getting him out of it. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, Demir is so famous for being flashy and like mm-hmm. interactive and tricksy. And he had just done this Tevish Zot nightmare. And we were like, <laughs> just kill it. I don't know. <laughs> we have a kill chance. It. Make it stop. Kill yeah. it with fire. <laughs> I was just envisioning something where I make a deal with you and then you, something happens. I try and kill you. And with the kill on the stack, you're able to take me out. Right. You yeah. know, there's just some combination because it's just blue and black and there's definitely the possibility that something like that happens. Yeah. Well, also, like, I can go out swinging, which is something I am prone to do for sure, you know? Yeah, I, I think there was a lot of ways that could have gone really wrong. Um, and at this point, like, I, I had the austere command in hand, so I knew I could handle the scariest parts of Josh's board. Right. That's a good call. All right. Speaking of Rachel and the mm-hmm. win here. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. First ever Boros win on game nights. Yeah. Nice. How does it feel? It feels great. Um, I love seeing all these new cards that are that are making red and white more powerful, that are giving a card advantage, that are giving it ramp. Um, but I also think that like Boros being successful is 
so much about playing Boros like a Boros deck. Like if you're playing Boros like a Simic deck, you're going to lose because <laughs> it doesn't do that. That's my problem. Um, right. So like it, it just lends itself to a very it's narrow very effective, path. Josh. And it does a lot. Yeah. It has a lot of value. But yeah, it yeah, doesn't get you the dub. It's just different. Like, <laughs> I just get killed. <laughs> the, the things that Boros does best are very linear. And it's about doing a lot of damage fast. Mm-hmm. And it's about... Um, the things that I like about white the most is is, is the recursion and resilience, right? Mm-hmm. So you can protect your board right. and you can rebuild. Yeah. Um, and in this case, the vigilance was the reason I I could stay alive in that game. I mean, I think Slayer's Stronghold, the haste was a big, big the part ha- of it. The, yeah. I think vigilance and haste won that game. Yeah. Um, uh, what about that crown you had on your head? That was pretty do. cool. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll do yeah. it too. I forgot the about card, that. The card draw there was, was really... <laughs> It was really quite helpful. I'm just sad that everyone got to wear the crown except for me. Yeah. Ah, that's a bummer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but good job. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> okay, so there was a lot of praise, as there always is, in the comments for the animations. In fact, so, uh, well this deserved. has become a tradition, so yeah. we, let's play the montage of the cool animations from the episode. Okay, what I want to hear what everyone's favorites was. Oh, uh, mine's I definitely know what mine was. I actually screamed at my computer screen when it came up when it happened. I was just like, oh, ah, 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 whoa! <laughs> uh, that was about my reaction. It was, man, it, was? it was manner reflection. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh my gosh, yes. manner reflection was unbelievable. I was just like, now we're because normally it's like we're taking the pre-existing art inside the car, we're doing some stuff with it. Maybe we'll add some effects on top. But this was like, no, this is a custom-built animation from the ground up that looks like it's out of, like, a 70s fever dream. And yeah. Kaleidoscope. So yeah, cool. Kaleidoscope. And, and there's great. bits of it that are from the card. It's yeah. like, man, right. yeah, that was very incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so cool. I mean, yeah, I remember Jake and Sam and I were, like, looking at the card and we're like, this is one of the most important cards in the game. And we like to animate, like, big splashy cards, important cards, and we're just like, what do we do with this, though? Because there's not a monster to roar <laughs> or, like, yeah. smash something. It's just sort of too... People looking at each other. Yeah. yeah. The reflection. Yeah. Sam knocked it out of the park as usual. Yeah, yep. it's great. It was super cool. Do you guys have a favorite anim- animation? Yes. Besides that one, that Beast Whisperer commercial was... <laughs> Man, knocked it out the park. I was like, this I played I played it back like three times. I was like, this is awesome. Oh, amazing. <laughs> the animation was just Josh's mouth this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's I beast love- fuel. Use it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I gosh, uh I watched just the trailer to the thing just over and over and over again with everybody's commanders. But I think like out of out of the commanders, my favorite was Devish Zot. Oh, He's nice. like haunting. He was yeah. very spooky. Yeah. Um, Compared to how silly someone like Rogue was like, Rah! I know. I loved Rogue Rock though. <laughs> Which was, by the way, Patrick's voice. I didn't know that. Patrick's one of our new editors here that's helping with the SFX. Yeah, he's the, uh, the VFX nice. assistant. Yeah. I had awesome. no idea. <laughs> it's such a perfect little yell. <laughs> he was Tago too. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. So evidently he's good with like the goblin type uh, creatures. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. <laughs> Patrick's just a goblin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people love Sad Robot or yeah, Song so Somewhere. Yep. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had the whole animation done, and it was pretty late in the process that we said he should say, I'm sad. <laughs> so sad, so sad. No yeah. sad. And I think I think 
Jake came up with the idea that it should sound like Jake's over here. Jake, what did you use for the the robot sound? I looked up speech generator. Ah, uh, speech generator. Because nice. we were originally going to do a voice thing like we do for most of the other characters, and then it was like, oh no! But if it sounds like a robot, it's going to be way funnier. Oh. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> So sad. Uh, a lot of praise for the editing. Speaking of Jake, who's right off camera there, Jake Yee. and Murph did a great job editing this episode. A lot of cool story points. This is a tough one to edit because everybody... So much stuff happened in this Yeah, everybody episode, had yeah. their moment, so building all the moments right so that everything has like the proper, uh, you know... Gravitas. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the proper beats. Yeah. So great job to Jake and Murph. Um, speaking of the ads, a lot of praise for the ads. The G Fuel ad with Beast Whisperer got a lot of comments. And I want to say that we have a new person on staff here that's... Uh, helping us to write a bunch of the ads. It's Jordan Pridgen. Nice. So, yeah. And Sean Tabaris is still helping us, but Jordan's kind of our in-house person who's doing, uh, did the, what was it, Night Games? Night if game, you saw our yeah. last uh, episode of the Command Zone, we did a little parody of Game Nights called yeah. Night Games. <laughs> I won. Finally, I won. <laughs> <laughs> he won by sleeping. Yeah. Uh, Jordan's great, though. He actually uh, DMs a, uh, a a Ravnica theme to Dungeons & Dragons game that I was played with Ashlyn a long time ago as well. So he's very well versed in the magic world, which makes him very well fit to make very cool inside magic jokes, which is great. And then a lot of praise for our guests, Rachel and Joe. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, we didn't mention this earlier, and we sort of, we had some footage where it was kind of mentioned, but it never actually made it into the episode. But you two are actually, you know each other in real life. You play the same LGS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah play, we, do. we play a lot. <laughs> so Joe playing Gruel was not a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> did that change how the how you guys played against each other in this game at all? Because you did say some stuff. I don't think it made it into the edit of just like, uh oh, hey, hey, no, this is real. This is a problem. <laughs> yeah, I said. I mean, you you just played an ancient tomb, and there's a footage of, of me going, oh no, <laughs> oh no. I'm, I'm sure I said yikes or something in in the beginning, but it was so bad immediately because I know what he can do with with a, a lot right, of mana. So, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I think I was definitely like, look, I, I know what a, a deck that that Joe builds can do. And people were definitely in the comments being like, feels like you killed Joe too early. And I was oh, like, no. 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 Oh, no. This is, we, we've been on this road before. We- <laughs> if I can take Joe Johnson out of a game, I'm going to do it. Um, you also almost just won. Like, yeah. Two seconds yeah, 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 yeah. Like, the Chaos Warp saved us for a turn, but it was a turn. He still had Morag on yeah. the board and he was doubling landfall abilities. Like, Watch out, <laughs> it was, world. yeah. We couldn't let him untap. How yeah. long have you guys known each other? It's been a couple of years. A couple of years now? Yeah. yeah, I've been in LA two years. So yeah. oh, and cool. I and I started going to RLGS pretty soon after that. So yeah, yeah we've been we've been playing multiplayer for like two years together. This is just a coincidence, by the way. When I reached out to Rachel and I was like, Hey, do you want to be on the show? We're having Joe back. I don't know if you saw his episode. She's like, No, I know Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay, perfect. I think people got that there was like a like a chemistry there too yeah. like yeah. they yeah. Kind, of, kind of feel it which is great it's like I know Joe I've seen Game Nights yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great having two people that are entertainers as well you do stand up you're obviously mm-hmm. an actor so like I think having that energy in the interview room really leads to cool significant moments normally when someone gets knocked out of a game they stop commenting but if you guys watch this episode you'll notice that Joe still has a lot of really funny fun things to <laughs> yeah. say even though he's out of the game and so I think that's always great to see it's like the acting when when the camera's off you, the right? Camera's off, yeah, yep. yeah. Right. Keep, keep, keep feeding everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Be a good right. scene partner. <laughs> Joe, do you want to talk about where people can find you or where they can see you, um, you know, if they're looking for you online or, or on TV or whatever? Yeah. Um, well, I just made a Twitter. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> finally, 20 years later. Uh, <laughs> uh, at BlackNito underscore. Uh, same thing on Instagram. And you can check me out on IMDb, uh, Joseph H. Johnson Jr. If you Google it. 
should come up. And all those links will be in the show notes as well. Or rewatch the episode and see that awesome reel of all yeah. of his shots from movies. And Orville. Stuff. Oh, yeah. I, also, I love that show. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Also, I shot an episode of Good Girls uh, that'll be coming out pretty soon. So. Oh, nice. That's so exciting. Yeah. That's very awesome. cool. And Rachel, how about you? Where's it, where, where can everybody find your stuff? Uh, yeah, I am the co-host of a comedy commander podcast called The Commander Sphere uh, with my co-host Dan Sheehan, who's hilarious. Um, and I also play live D&D every Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific in a Spelljammer-inspired campaign called Better Than Heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we, we do d things, but we're on a big golden ship in space. It's great. <laughs> the Orville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? Oh, I believe it's yes. the same tag. Uh, yeah, they're both Rachel Reeks, uh, which is my name with my initials. Yep. Flipped. It's hilarious. Oh, can we do that for Joe's name? Ah, <laughs> oh, darn. It's still just Joe Johnson. <laughs> still still, still J&J. Yeah. Uh, all right. So all those links again for Rachel will also be in mm. the show notes uh, if you just click down below the video. Thanks so much, everybody, for being on this. Thanks yeah. for being on Game Nights. I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point. Yeah. yeah. Down. It was such a pleasure. This is awesome. So fun. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for watching. Before we go, big shout out to our sponsors, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Listen, Commander Legends is pretty sweet. I think you can tell. Uh, I'm very excited about this set. The extra turns that either already came out or is about to come out is going to show it off even more. There's just so many cool cards you want to get from that set. So cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the best place to go to order your magic product, your single, your singles, anything at all. Hot singles in your area. (laughs) (laughs) Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. got them all. I was going to make that joke, but I was like, no, but the dude was like, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, we've been doing this for too long, Josh. (laughs) Listen, you're going to buy magic cards anyway. Just use our affiliate link when you do. It really does help out all of our content. Yep. And of course, the direct way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. They could watch the episode with Joe and Rachel a day early. So they got to get the glory of this episode far beforehand. And also, uh, you know, we get to, they get to see it ad free. So sorry, no Beast Whisperer for them. <laughs> but they also get to see extra turns a day early so maybe you are actually seeing it before everyone else and of course we're on discord you can talk to josh and i on there as well all right everybody. all right, all right. thanks again for coming in and uh, thanks, thanks for watching yes. see you next time later peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this 
when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.